Hello, and welcome to They Might Be Librarians, a podcast from the Plainfield-Guilford Township Public Library. I'm Lauren W., and I'm the Teen Central Supervisor. I'm Lauren M. I am the cataloger, and I purchase adult fiction. I'm Janine S., and I work in the Indiana Room. And I'm Sarah Wright, and I also am an Indiana Room assistant. September, the town of Plainfield celebrates Quaker Day, and uh, the library will be participating in that parade this year. Um, if you're listening past September 19, then the parade's already passed and you saw the awesome thing that we're doing, but seriously, we're doing something kind of different, kind of cool. We're looking forward to it. Also, the library will be closed on October 12th for um, staff training day and uh, we will reopen again October 13th and resume normal business. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, Janine. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you haven't already come in and seen our new gallery setup, please do so. We have um, brand new um, lighting and hanging equipment and it's so beautiful and it Sounds kind of weird to be so excited about lights and hanging equipment, but when you come in and you see all the uh, beautiful artwork from the Digital Photo Guild and Plainfield Creatives that we have in the gallery, you understand why we're excited. It's just, it's gorgeous. It the, the main theme is birds and the way we've been able to set up, well, I say we, it was all Laura Appleby, to be honest. <laughs> the way Laura Appleby was able to set up our gallery, it's it's beautiful it and it just brings you right in. Uh, that's going to be up through September 30th, so please get here sometime and check it out. I was excited to see the, the actual artwork go in after we had it re renovated. All right, so now we get to the stuff that I was super excited for. <laughs> Um, now, Janine, you have, or are you still doing, or have you finished up the um, COVID-19 oral history program? Uh, that is ongoing. I'll be okay. doing that for, I indefinite, indefinitely I'll be doing that. And I still need more people to participate, so yeah, it'll be going as long as we can make it go. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did that with you, actually. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it, admittedly, it's a depressing topic, but right. it was so interesting that the questions that you asked me made me really think about what I was going through and mm -hmm. how future historians may look back on this. And Right, yeah. There, and it's really funny, though, because there were some questions that you asked that, uh, like, two weeks after I answered, I was like, Huh. I'm not sure I actually think that anymore. Right. Well, <laughs> there's a, actually I, one person that I um, did an oral history with. She has since then gotten COVID nineteen. Oh wow. So it's like I need to go back and have a know, follow up her again. Yeah. So yeah, things are so changing. They're so fluid. It's, yeah, this could be going on for another year at least. You know, I mm -hmm. could be doing this for indefinitely. So, well, yeah. seriously, if you're listening, come in and uh, do a recording session. Or if you're not comfortable coming in, there is an option online as well, correct? Yeah. Actually, we're doing most of them over the phone. It's not oh, okay. really in person uh, to be safe. Makes um, sense. You can do it over the phone with me, or you can record your oral history yourself, and there are instructions on our landing page. Um, so you can uh, access the our page on plainfieldlibrary.net slash oral dash history. So, and we also will put a link up so that you might be able to find it on our website as well. 
And then also on that website, you can uh, record your own history uh, using a mobile device. Uh, and I've got instructions on there for doing that. And then you can just submit the audio file via email to us. So, yeah. And I think, and I did my own oral history night. It's posted on that page as well. So you can kind of take a listen to it and see what we're looking for. It really, I'm just looking for anybody's stories. You know, anybody is welcome to participate. Give us a call if you want. Uh, take a look at the website. Just all voices across the entire uh spectrum of people in the Plainfield area is what we're looking for. So, And I think a lot of people are under the impression that they're not interesting enough, they don't have enough stories, or they don't have anything relevant to say. But what we really want is just everybody's experience, you know, whether it's you know a big deal or not, you know, so that people in the future, when they're listening to this, they can kind of see what was happening here in Hendricks County uh, during this time. So... Uh, yeah, that answer your all question? you did was sit on the couch and watch a whole bunch of TV shows. We genuinely want to know that. Yeah. <laughs> it may seem boring to you, but it is not to us. Right. It's nice to add into the collection of what, how it affected all sorts of people. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I think it's interesting because we'll, we'll want to add it to our already existing collection of oral histories. Mm. Oh, yes, yeah. We do have, we have some oral histories from the 70s. Um, gosh, what do we have? Like maybe 20 or 30 and those are so interesting. Uh, in fact, Sarah has just started using those as research uh, resources for her house histories. So you can find out a lot of information. They're super interesting. So, and then we'll hopefully, you know, we'll have the oral histories from today and, you know, this time to add to that collection. So, yeah. And anybody can uh, participate, children on up to old people. Um, <laughs> elderly, if you want to say that. Um, anybody, yeah. It, it, we just want to get a, a real variety of voices. Uh, speaking, though, of the uh, historic house histories, Sarah, I when I heard that you were doing this program, I got super excited because I love, I love houses, I love buildings, and I love his, the history of it. So um, can you uh, tell us a little bit about this program? Sure. Um, what kind of led to it was that um, we occasionally will have people come in and ask us to do a little research or if we have any photos or anything on their old house. And as I started doing that research, I learned a little bit, uh, taught myself a little bit about how to go through um, old records. Uh, Hendricks County, we're very lucky. A lot of the courthouse records are actually available online mm -hmm. without going in into the courthouse. Um, and so I kind of taught myself how to go through the tax records, the deed records, things like that, um, to see, uh, to help people with their research. And as I did that, I got fascinated with some of the older houses and older buildings here in Plainfield um, and decided to kind of write a book, actually not kind of, to write a book, <laughs> to write a book for the library. Um, on historic buildings and houses in Plainfield. And so I've been working on that. And as I worked on that, um, more people would come in to ask about their house history. And so we decided let's do a program to help people um, to do it themselves if they're interested in it. Heck yeah. So you wrote a book. Well, I'm working on a book. <laughs> uh, we're working on a book uh, for the Indiana Room mm -hmm. um, and hopefully to be distributed and published as well. Uh, we hope to have it done probably within a few months to a year. Uh, it's kind of 
gotten sidetracked a little with everything else with the pandemic. It's oh, running sure. behind. Yeah. <laughs> it's running behind too. Um, so on about 60 historic structures in Plainfield. Um, so again, that this program came out of that, that anyone can really, especially here in Hendricks County, research the history of their house. Yeah. Long distance high five for the book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be um, very popular. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I just bought a house here in Plainfield. Excellent. And yeah, the house is only about 60 years old, so comparatively it's still fairly new. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like like I could go to the, or I could go to this Facebook Live program. And yes, the program's going to be on Monday, September 28th um, at 1 p.m. and it's also going to be recorded for later access as well. Okay. Um, so you would, you'd be surprised some of the things you can find, like even if your house is fairly new, as you say, um, there's always what was there before, mm-hmm. um, who owned it before, how, who got it, who got the land first from the government way back in the early 1800s. Um, we can find all that out. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things about houses in Plainfield and, and historic buildings that you can find out. Um, one thing that struck me was the number of houses that have actually moved in Plainfield. <laughs> the physically houses have been picked up and moved elsewhere. We saw one recently, I know, being moved, um, but there's they, that's happened since the 1800s. There was one um, that was called Reagan's Corner that got picked up from Main Street and moved up to North Center Street, and it's still there today. Um, you, it's rented out as a double now. Um, there's one on Kentucky Avenue that used to be over where uh, the gas station is at Carr and 40 and it's oh, gotten okay. moved to Kentucky Avenue so there's lots of those yeah how many do you think have been moved oh it's hard to say um, we know of factually probably around uh, somewhere under 10 that we can prove, but there's lots of rumors of others <laughs> that digging enough into like the old newspapers, which is one of my favorite sources, right. um, that might turn up some more. Um, I have a weird question, but do you know how many horses it took to take that house? I do not. <laughs> I really just awesome. want to know. <laughs> uh, one, one of the sources speculates that they were rolled on logs, the old oh. ones. So, oh. you know. So how many people did that take, I guess? Yeah, so exactly. Goodness sakes. The other thing is interesting to figure out the lives of people who lived in your house before you, if, if it's an older house. Mm-hmm. Um, I found things from like the 1918 flu pandemics, people who died from that in one of our famous houses. A vaudeville dancer lived in one of them. Huh. Um, one of them even had a guy who was on trial for murdering his wife. So <laughs> you never know what you're going to turn up. And it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's you very ne- spooky. <laughs> yeah. You never know what you'll turn up, and again, a lot of it's in the newspapers, and hopefully this will also help. Um, sometimes people really want to know like when the house was built um, and the structure. Um, sometimes it changes over the years, and we can help you find out how to track that as well. So, Well, I know that Sarah is really good at making those narratives super interesting and fun to read, so definitely look out for that book. It'll be really good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sneak it in there. (laughs) It's that good. (laughs) So, uh, Janine, you also are in charge of something on Facebook as well called the Need Photograph Session. Is that correct? Yeah, Meets Monday Mystery. Yes. Yeah, uh, Meet Bryant was a photographer here in the, let's uh, 
olden days. I guess we we got the proofs uh, from his photography studio from about late the late fifties to early eighties, and he wasn't really great at labeling his proofs. So we have a lot of, of, of pictures that are unidentified. And, you know, we've, we've gone through and indexed the stuff that we do have. So, you know, the ones that we do know, you can come in and take a look at those. Um, but the ones that we couldn't identify, we thought, well, let's throw them on Facebook, see if uh, anybody else in Plainfield can help us out. And we have identified quite a few mm -hmm. from that. So every Monday we post about four or five pictures uh, that we couldn't identify from Mead. And we have people, you know, call us or tell us if they know who they are. And it's been really fun. It's been pretty popular. Well, I think it's really cool just to be able to use the community to yeah. help the library. It's like yeah. a, a more mutual relationship with that. I like yeah. that a lot. I think we may have identified at least 20 or 30 people. That's awesome. That. Yeah, yeah, every Monday I go to the library's Facebook page just to see those pictures. And I've seen so many confirm, hey, yeah, that's so-and-so <laughs> uh -huh. in this picture. And yeah. That's so I, cool. I don't, I don't know if this one ever got identified, but my favorite was um, a young woman, and it looked like it might have been a senior high school picture or something, but she just, she's just, she's staring into the camera, and her eyes are blue, and they're like piercing, and she just looks so glamorous, oh, wow. and I I don't think she's been identified yet, but I just, I'm like, I want someone to identify <laughs> this woman, she needs and a I name. want to know why she didn't become like a famous model or something because <laughs> she should have. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, so you can go to the Facebook our Facebook page and then type in uh, search Mead, M-E-A-D-E, -E, and you take a look at all of the postings. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so if you haven't been uh, involved in that, you can go ahead and take a look at all the past ones. And we're almost done uh, posting all of them. Right now we're down to the bald baby pictures, <laughs> <laughs> which I know are not going to be identified. But... Um, We'll, I think we'll start posting them again after we get through them all. We'll start posting them again because, you know, not everybody's seen them. And, well, we never know who will we identify right. next. Yeah. So. Somebody will see it at the right time, maybe. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I took a call from, like, Colorado. Someone had identified some, one of the photos oh, as one of their relatives. That's so, so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, also, if you uh, want to come, if you want to look on our database on the on the webs on our website you can go to the indiana room link and take a look at our database it's called the photograph database and pictures. and you can see all the pictures yeah have you labeled the ones that we've identified yeah, okay yeah. they've that's all been awesome. indexed and you can also come in and see them too if you have a if you know of somebody that you know that's in there you could come in and take a look at the original pictures um, yeah we had someone come in the other day just because they knew someone was in there and then they looked look through the binder of like everyone, and identified two or three other people as well. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, uh, we have a historical building scavenger hunt that's really fun. You can come to the Indiana Room and check it out. It's really just a, it's a 10, 10 uh, what would you call them, placards, uh, pictures of old buildings. And what you need to do is find that old building or where that old building used to be. And it's just in the downtown area of Plainfield and take a picture of what's there now and bring it on back and you get a prize for identifying all of the buildings that are in the scavenger hunt. It's fun. And it's not too hard. It's not too difficult. There's a couple that are pretty easy and a couple that are hard. But yeah, if you like uh, old buildings and you like uh, town history, you should try it.
It's an exercise. Cool. Well, it's a good, yeah, I was going to say that's a good outdoor activity too. Yeah, I like autumn, that. yeah. yeah Put it on sounds your like, mask and start walking. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like great family fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and I've seen it. The clues are pretty neat too because uh, Janine wrote some rhyming clues for it. <laughs> oh, so man. Great. I dabbled a little. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, things are starting to get a little bit back to normal with our book vendors. <laughs> a little. <laughs> they now seem to only be about two weeks behind. <laughs> if you listen to our last episode, I'm getting these incredulous looks from Janine and Sarah. If you listen to our last episode, we reassured all of our listeners that we did order books. It's just that our vendor is based out of Pennsylvania and they're a little bit more shut down. Yeah, they're, they're quite a bit more shut down than Indiana. So they've not had as many staff as they normally do to get our books out to us. But things are getting a little bit better. And uh, to celebrate that, Lauren and I are going to start talking about upcoming books again. Well, I may or may not be talking about books that have already come out, but That's I'm right. still very excited about it. So <laughs> are you going first? No, you go ahead. Okay, so I'm really excited. So I guess I'm just going to talk a little bit. Um, there is a book that came out on August 4th. It's called It Came From the Sky by Chelsea Sedoti. It is a book about extraterrestrial activity, but not actually. So it's the story about um, brothers Gideon and Ishmael cause a bigger explosion than expected with a science experiment. Uh, and they create a creator in their farm. So they have to tell a story of why there's a creator in their farm. So they tell the town that there was uh, an alien you know, they touched base. And so the town just really picks it up and really believes them. And this light just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And they kind of have to figure out what to do because they start getting uh, national attention. (laughs) So um, it's a great, it looks like a great story. I have it on hold right now, but it looks super good. It's told in a lot of different formats. It's one of my favorite types of things to read. So this is told in like interviews and blog posts and text messages. And so it's like a collection of all these different things. So it's a 500-page book, but apparently it reads really quickly because of all the different formats and just how kind of funny, but also you're, like, you're, you're invested in Gideon and Ishmael's story of how they're telling this hoax and how they can get themselves out of it. So I'm excited about that one. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. And then um, Lorian Lawrence on August 18th came out with a book called The Stitchers. It, is, uh, it has crazy good reviews. It's a, a thriller horror book and you know that's not really my thing but I have this one on hold too because it looks really good it's about 13 year old Quinn Parker she um she used to investigate who she calls the the uh oldies <laughs> the old people in their neighborhood but they've been there since like anybody can remember like they have been there forever and so she thinks something sinister is happening um her dad used to investigate with her but now he's gone so she has to like enlist the help of her neighbor Mike and so they, they kind of go around trying to investigate what's going on with these old people that could be, I don't know, vampires or getting weird surgeries or whatever. They're not sure. But then it turns out that there is something sinister happening. So I'm really in, like, I'm ready to see what happens in that book. Apparently it's pretty spooky. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And then the next one I'm looking forward to, this one came out on September 1st. We don't have it yet because, like you said, our couple weeks lag right now. But it's called Punching the Air by Ibi Zavoy and um, Yusuf Salam. So he's one of the Exonerated Five who used to be the Central Park Five. Oh, okay. So this is a story. It's not about him, but he helped write it from his perspective of being um, wrongfully incarcerated. So it's about a boy named Amal. He's 16, and he's incarcerated for a crime he didn't commit. So in this story, he's, he's writing poetry. So he's writing about his despair and trying to work through 
um, telling truths and his humanity and things like that. So it's perfect for people that are really into Jason Reynolds or Elizabeth Acevedo or Walter Dean Meyer. So I'm really, really interested to see that book because it has some really good reviews from the advanced copies. And so I'm excited to read that one. So that's my variety of books that I have on hold right now. We need more books that are like Jason Reynolds books, I think. Exactly. I agree. So um, mine are coming out either next month or um, month after that. I went way ahead to be optimistic that <laughs> you know they'll come in. We put it on our lists already. Yeah. Uh, so the first one is Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. Uh, you may know her from her Star Wars Resistance Reborn, Reborn book hmm. um, or her um, Between Earth and Sky trilogy. But uh, this is a science fiction novel that takes, um, I mean, it takes place like way super in the future. We're all living um, on different planets and there's interplanetary travel, but the culture of um, these, uh, the characters in this book are based on um, indigenous people prior to Columbus. Okay. And I love this, this meshing of, you know, technology and massive science that's way ahead of its time um, and um, ancient culture that, quite frankly, probably a lot of us don't know a whole lot about. Right. Unless you study it, you're probably not going to be terribly familiar with it. And um, this book is about a particular um, pilot who, she's disgraced, doesn't even seem to care that she's actually disgraced. That's the impression I'm getting from the book review. That she just kind of does her own thing, and people think think of her as an outcast. And she's like, "Yeah, well, who cares? I don't." <laughs> but she's been tasked uh, with taking someone who she's been told is incredibly harmless and insignificant. But we need you to take him from one place to another. And she's like, "You know, I wasn't born yesterday. If you tell me he's harmless, I'm pretty sure he's the exact opposite." And she turns out to be so very, very very right <laughs> and um i don't want to say too much more because then i feel like i'm going to get bogged down in a whole bunch of details and maybe confuse some people because i had to read the read the more detailed reviews a couple of times to be like now wait who's betraying who here so some of the longer book reviews they're all kind of trying to throw in as many twists and turns but without actually telling you what the twists and turns are. So you get a little confused. Very murky. Just read the review, but it's like, okay, if you could actually tell me what was happening, then I'm sure this would all make sense. But I love the fact that it's a sci-fi fantasy mashup yeah. and also like future and ancient culture mashup. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. Uh, the pub date for that, uh, pub, sorry, pub date, that's a technical term. <laughs> The publication date for it is October 13th, uh, 2020. So hopefully we'll have that soon after, because uh, that is also right after our uh, staff day. So I won't have much chance to catalog if it comes in that day. So be patient if you're excited for that one. Uh, the second one is Moonflower Murders by Anthony Horowitz. I am thrilled for this one. What? Yeah, it's a... It's, uh, somewhat sequel to the Magpie Murders. And I was I was in love with the Magpie Murders when it came out. I probably read it four or five times within the span of three months. I just, I wow. just kept going back to, you know, find clues and see if there was anything that could be interpreted differently once you know how things turn out. And um, 
So um, Magpie Murders introduced um, a character who used to be a publisher, and then she ends up solving a particular mystery that actually kind of ruins her life. Oh. So she, um, this, this character is um, not so much on the run, but she has moved from London, where she was based, out to Crete to run a hotel as opposed to book publishing. So she's kind of had to leave that London life behind. Hmm. And um, she ends up dealing with another mystery. Uh, I don't want to go into too many details for fear of spoiling anything about any of the books, either this one or Magpie Murders, if you haven't read that. But uh, it was described as having echoes of Agatha Christie. Oh. I know. And that that immediately is just like, oh, yes, thank you. Yes, please. (laughs) Um, But that will come out November 10, 2020. And if you have not yet read Magpie Murders, I highly recommend that you go out and get that before you read uh, Moonflower Murders. I think I'm going to put that one on hold. That sounds really good. And the thing about uh, Magpie Murders, and I don't know if it's going to happen in this one as well, but in the original, it's a twofer. It's two mysteries for one in this Ooh. book. Yeah. So, and then the last one, uh, they just recently announced that Ernest Klein, who wrote Ready Player One, is coming out with Ready Player Two. I'm so excited. <laughs> also, though, I don't know where they're going to go with this, so I'm very curious. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I have no idea if they're going to also turn this into a movie as well. That has not been talked about, but, I mean, probably. We'll yeah. see how well the book does, I'm sure. Yeah. But do you want to talk a little bit about Ready Player One, since I saw how excited you got? <laughs> well, uh, so I was late to the game with Ready Player One, um, but I read it. There was one Valentine's Day that I just, all I did that day was just read it, and Clint just had to live his life. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. And it's just a book that has all sorts of 80s references, but also you don't have to have, like, lived through the 80s to enjoy it, because I didn't live through the 80s, so I still enjoyed it. Um, And it's just, it's very cool, because when it was published, it had a mystery in it. So if you put the clues together, so the book is about putting clues together and finding Easter eggs and things like that. Mm -hmm. But the real book, people put together Easter eggs, and somebody won a Ddelorean. From the book, and Ernest Klein had an actual, like, it was oh a whole gosh. thing, and I was like, well, that's amazing. So now I'm also curious. I don't know if he's going to do it again with Ready Player Two, but I'm definitely going to have my eye out, because I'm like, well, if you did it the first time, will you do it the second time? Mm-hmm. But um, it's such a good, it's a futuristic world of um, virtual reality, so everything in real life is just horrible. And so everybody gets online and plays uh, games online, and they spend all their money there, and all these kind of things. You have all these fancy haptic gear to play the games and things like that and this kid gets involved with this easter egg hunt to try to win the company once the the creator dies and he says whoever gets all of these keys will win uh access to owning the company so he's working towards it but there's people that's trying to obviously win it for themselves and things like that so it's a really good story um it's very teen um oriented even though it's an adult book so that's I think that's the perfect intersect of book for me plus sci-fi so I really enjoyed it I I feel like they wrapped it up pretty well in the first one so I don't know what he's gonna do with Ready Player Two but I'm also here for it so whatever I'll read it well it seems like it took him a little while to get from Ready Player One to Ready Player Two so well he wrote a book in between and I think he was gonna go that route but it didn't do as well um so I'm curious I was just trying to say maybe he's he really took his time oh yeah yeah sorry I didn't need to cut you off (laughs) 
But yeah, yeah. So I, I think it'll be good. And that will come out November 24th. Woohoo. Yeah. So now it's time for Lauren W.'s favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> the geeking out portion. Ah, yes. So I'll start just because it's my favorite part and apparently I like to talk right now. All right. So I have been watching Avatar The Last Airbender like many, many other people right now since it's on Netflix. And it was so, so good. I will even go so far as to say that I liked the characters in the storyline better than Harry Potter. Um, I it's It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Wow. Uh, the teens and I were talking about it one week when I hadn't finished it yet. And I was like, no spoilers. Don't tell me anything. And then the next week I was like, hey, guys, just so you know, I finished. And they like literally gave me applause. They started clapping for me. <laughs> it was the best day ever. <laughs> um, but like so now they're talking to me about all these Avatar books. And I know in the teen collection we have books about Kiyoshi, who was a former Avatar um, so there's a whole lot in that world that I can still explore, and I'm really excited about it. Wonderful. Yeah. What about you, Janine? Do you have anything you're geeking out about? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't. All right. What about you, Lauren? Uh, yeah, actually, I, um, I'm geeking out about a TV show called Lovecraft Country on HBO. Have any of you heard of this show? I've heard of it. I thought about watching it, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. It's... It sounds creepy to me. Uh, okay, <laughs> so it, it is creepy, but it's, it's very, very good, and it's very smart. Um, it's based on the book Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff. They do deviate from the story a little bit, um, but one of the brilliant things about the original book is that it's several different stories, like several different sections, and they have a through line to connect them all. So it almost as if the book was written for episodic television. Oh. Yeah. The, the through line story is this, um, this um, Korean war vet, um, Atticus Freeman, um, who um, goes by the name Tick, that's his nickname, um, received a letter from his estranged father saying there's something about your heritage, you need to go to Artem, Massachusetts. And there's also kind of like this whole, like the way it's written, it's like this is not my father, this is not the way he writes, this has to be written under duress. And so uh, Tick and his uncle George traveled from the south side of Chicago to Artem, Massachusetts. And the first episode is very much like a road trip episode. Um, but this is the 1950s and um, Tick and his uncle George, they are African American. And racism is still pretty rampant and they have to drive through sundown towns and mm -hmm. they run into a very corrupt and racist sheriff who actually does intend to do them some severe harm um and so there are monsters and there are ghosts like the third episode is very much a haunted house episode and i was told totally so is that your favorite like, oh my god <laughs> favorite episode of the entire series so not far. surprising but a lot of the horror also does come from humanity and just how ridiculously mean and mm. cruel we can be to each other um and there's like a good show it is it's, a, it's brilliant and i i love the fact also as a as an avid reader and librarian that they make so many literary references to other things like they talk about the pulp science fiction 
writers. Um, they talk about Dracula a lot. They talk about James Baldwin. Um, and then, of course, there's H.P. Uh, Lovecraft himself, who the book is kind of named after. And there, there are all kinds of political reasons why it's such a coup that this book called Lovecraft Country is about African-American characters because he had some severe problems with racism. I mean, even his contemporaries thought that he was pretty racist. Mm. But he also was like the grandfather of modern science fiction and fantasy and horror. So he, he, he was incredibly... Flawed is a very kind word to say about him as a person, but he also contributed so much to literature and the the TV show also kind of works that in, like the hmm. whole like we're all flawed, but we all contribute so much. And it just it makes you it makes you think. You're so entertained, but you're thinking the whole time. And I'm totally geeking out about it because I'm like I've got the book on hold. It's checked out to somebody else right now, and I'm listening to podcasts about it. And wow, yeah, I've gotten nuts with this show. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, I had lots. I had the book. Um, I took it home, and I never did read it, but I I always wanted to read it. It's the story with me and a lot of books from the library. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Right, Sarah, are you geeking out? A little bit. <laughs> Uh, the NHL playoffs are going on right now, and I'm a big hockey fan, so I'm geeking out a little bit about that. Who's your team? Uh, well, I'm going to have to go for Dallas, because mm-hmm. they just made it to the finals, and they're going to be up against either the New York Islanders or probably the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, there's something about me that thinks it's just wrong that warm weather cities are in the <laughs> Stanley Cup finals, <laughs> but I think I'm going to have to go for Dallas. Have a favorite team, or are you just a hockey fan? I'm a hockey fan, but of course, being here in Indiana, I'm pretty partial to the Blackhawks in Chicago. Okay. So. But the yeah, they guys? didn't get very far. Does the Indianapolis have a team? Isn't yeah, they've the got the Indy Fuel. Oh, the Fuel. Yes. Yeah. The ice. The ice were before the Fuel. Oh. Um, and before that was the Checkers, and before that was the Racers, which was glory days for Indiana hockey. That's what I've heard, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should do a program on Indiana hockey. <laughs> there you the go. The history I of hockey. Laugh, but I'm serious. This is interesting. <laughs> so yeah, the Wayne Gretzky has actually played for the Racers for eight games. Oh, I see. Yeah, there you I go. I just had a That's conversation so about this like a few weeks ago. Yeah, this Wayne is fascinating. <laughs> so yeah, whatever. <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have for for today's podcast. Thank you for tuning in and make sure you leave us a positive review and share us with your friends on any podcast platform. And if you don't like us, share us with your enemies. Just share us.